Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sports Time Machine here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Anna Kagarakis, and each week we head down memory lane as I take you back in time and remember some of the greatest moments in sports history. Leave your flux capacitor at home. All you need to do is subscribe to the show on iTunes or any of your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Now today I'm excited to share a special bonus episode of the podcast. It's not easy when a team decides to leave a city. So many lives are impacted Aside from the players who bust their butts on the field and the fans who support and cry over the outcome of a game, there's the employees who work for the team, those in the concession stands. Many will pick up with the team while others will stay behind. There are residents who may or may not be fans. Then there's the nearby businesses that rely on the foot traffic from a game. Then, of course, there's the owners who sign the checks and their decision on whether or not they should stay or go can affect millions of people's lives. Bolted is a spectacular docupod that gives an in-depth view on how the San Diego Chargers picked up and packed their bags for Los Angeles. What led to the decision? Did the Spanos family and the city of San Diego try to work together to come up with a solution in that city? And what shocked host Rafi Cantor and producer Ben Stein most in creating this series. Well, let's find out by stepping into the sports time machine. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. All right, we have some really exciting things going on here at Believe Podcast Network, including the network's first docupod, Bolted, the saga that made San Diego a football widow. This is a six-part docupod, an in-depth look at the rise and fall of the Chargers and the team's decision to pack its bags and leave for Los Angeles. And joining me now is the host of the Bolted Podcast, Rafi Cantor, and also the show producer, Ben Stein. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm really, Thank you. This is really exciting. You know what? This podcast is absolutely phenomenal so far. I know you have two episodes out right now. I love the idea, first off, of the DocuPod. The production value is phenomenal. It's a great mix of sound, music, a very well-written script. And as a show itself, it's really entertaining. But how did the whole idea come to be? A few things happened. Uh, so it was about 2019. And the number one thing was that I was unemployed. Um, and so boredom is the mother of invention, all that stuff. Right. And uh, the second thing that happened was, uh, so I, uh, uh, this is crazy, by the way, I moved to Los Angeles in 2013 to attend USC. And I've stuck around here ever since, but I was born and raised in San Diego. I come from four generations of Chargers fans. And in 2019, I also went to my first LA Chargers game which was, I think it was like a week four game against the Denver Broncos. And it was at StubHub Center, which if you remember is the LA Galaxy's MLS stadium, mm-hmm. which is about a 30,000 person capacity stadium, very unique experience for the NFL. And as was common 
going to those games, it was just, you know, a sea of orange. It was all away fans, all Broncos fans. And uh, it just was this very striking thing of like, uh, you know, not that San Diego was like this paragon of, of home support, but just, it, it was just shocking of like, wow, how, how did we get here? And then the third thing that happened was I was reading a book uh, by a New York Times writer named Sam Anderson uh, called Boomtown, uh, which is about the history of Oklahoma City and then one season of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, the year after they traded James Harden. And it's this weaving of this basketball team and then this really incredible and unique city and all these parallels that the author is able to draw between these two uh, connected things. It was just, it just blew me away and it like opened up my possibility of what a, not only a sports uh, piece of like sports journalism could be, but also a piece of like really like historian, like you know, historical writing. And um, so all of these things were all coalescing at the same time. And I was like, there is a story just like this for the Chargers and San Diego and LA. And I needed someone who was crazy enough to do it all with me. And I didn't hesitate to call Ben and, you know, his line back to me was effectively, you know, whose car are we taking? <laughs> so uh, we've just been at it uh, uh, for about 15 months. So we're really excited to share the project. Yeah. So you said 15 months right now. I mean, how long are you still continuing on the project? Have you finished it yet? You know, when it comes to the interviews or is that still ongoing? That's a great question because it seems like it's always going to be ongoing until everything's kind of released, you know? Makes sense. Um, I think it's fair to say we're done with interviews. Um, wh one thing Rafi and I have said is this, anybody, you know, we don't know who's going to be listening to this podcast, but if anybody listens and they say, you know, I have a, a very specific experience or um, perspective of this that uh, is something that, you know, needs to be told, we're we're definitely happy to talk, continue to talk to players and, and people who are involved. But for the most part, that portion is done. So that is exciting. Sorry, just, just, just to finish up on Ben's thought, we're actually putting the finishing touches on the final episode right now. Uh, the final episode details basically everything that's happened since the move. Um, and because, you know, we have a lot of new uh, new things happening, obviously the rise of Justin Herbert as this kind of mm -hmm. what seemingly going to be a perennial star for the L.A. Chargers and, and what he represents to the team, not only on the field as an incredible quarterback, but off the field as this not only star, but specifically a L.A. Charger star who's been an L.A. Charger from the jump. Um, you know, we definitely had to kind of incorporate some new things in there from uh, changes that were even happening just a few months ago in the in the show. Yeah, I could just imagine how this is constantly evolving, especially now when you have the season right around the corner. It, in all honesty, it is basically a kind of 30 for 30 feel in an audio platform. So I, I find it really entertaining and I'm really excited to hear what's to come next on the show. What were some of the most favorite interviews? You don't have to give too much away because I know we want to have people go and listen to the show, but what's been some of your favorite and most eye-opening interviews that you've conducted? Ben, uh, I, I know you know, we, we kind of have like a mutual favorite. So Ben, if you want to take that, that one. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, like Rafi said, we, I think that personally, we, so we talked to um, offensive lineman Joe Barksdale a couple weeks ago now. It, it, he was probably our 40. So we, we did a total of 48 interviews for the project. And he was probably like our 43rd or 44th interview. And while... He definitely did not always say exactly what I wanted to hear. He, he was very honest and um, open about his personal experiences in San Diego and L.A. And 
Um, it was tough to hear sometimes, but also really, really awesome to hear because he was, like I said, he was just being open and honest and, and it was, it was a unique perspective that, um, that, you know, wasn't something that we had heard from a lot of people and, 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 and he, he was really nice and, uh, funny. Um, like I, something, again, something I just didn't expect. Right. Um, and so that was just a really good interview. And, and for me, uh, you know, I, I have a couple that stick out. Um, the first is, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, our third episode drops tomorrow. So assuming it should be out by now, um, it is a lot of the episode deals with Ryan Leaf. And we talked to Ryan for the better part of an hour. Uh, and he was really generous at this time and also just like really forthcoming about his experience as, you know, this elite quarterback prospect that frankly didn't pan out. And, uh, you know, what being on the Chargers and being in San Diego, what that experience was like. And, you know, we kind of go into the 30,000 foot view of how Ryan is a, it's kind of a little bit exemplary of some of the dysfunction of the Chargers organization in the past. And, you know, another person that we talked to whom I really enjoyed speaking with was a gentleman by the name of Jim Steig. And Jim was a the senior vice president of special events at the NFL for 26 years. And he kind of is credited with turning the Super Bowl into what it is today, which is arguably the biggest sporting spectacle in the world. And as if that wasn't enough, he then spent six years as the Chargers chief operating officer. And then after that, uh, served on the San Diego City uh, task force when they were trying to build a new stadium right before the team left. So he was like, he's like literally been on like every side of this issue. And again, he talked to us for well over an hour, was really generous at the time. And I was just struck with his honesty and, and transparency and like how much he just like gave us, you know, didn't hold anything back. So uh, we've had a lot of really great conversations for the show. Yeah, those are some of those interviews that you really look forward to because there's these things you never would have thought of, things that happen within the organization that people may have not have thought of to ask that specific person. Now, you know, looking back on everything that went down with the move, I cover sports in the Bay Area. I listened, obviously, a lot to the national coverage, what was going on there. But in your own words, especially Rafi being from San Diego and having that connection to the team, how did the people of San Diego feel? when the Chargers left? Because, you know, it's a little bit different when you see it on national coverage versus local coverage. Yeah, well, I mean, just speaking about the Bay Area, I'm sure it's very similar to how a lot of the folks in Oakland feel. Right. Um, because there's a lot of parallels to the Spanos family and the Davis family. We talk about that in the show. They're very connected families. Uh, Al Davis was actually the one that brokered the deal to uh, allow uh, Alex Spanos to buy majority interest in the Chargers back in 1984. So these, these families have been connected from the very beginning. And, and if you remember, uh, in 2015, they actually tried to build a stadium together in L.A. Um, that uh, did not pan out at all, uh, especially once Stan Kroenke and Jerry Jones got in the mix and, and really pushed for Inglewood, which is, of course, where the Rams and Chargers are playing today. But just kind of talking about the local coverage and the local feeling, I think there's like a really deep scar that is still there. And, and frankly... Um, you know, one of the kind of side effects that we weren't expecting when we started doing the show was when we started to put the show out there and we started to announce it was happening. You know, a lot of folks, frankly, said, this sounds great, but I can't listen to this because it's still too painful. And it's kind of the same way that you see team, places like Seattle and the way that they feel about the Sonics. And, you know, a lot of folks in Seattle still to this day will not watch NBA basketball mm -hmm. 
And I think that you're going, you, you've essentially seen the NFL vacate the San Diego market in a large way that is similar just because of a lot of the hurt and the, uh, frankly, exhaustion that a lot of people have from how everything went down. Do you think there is still a fan base, though, in that market that still watches and supports the team? And now, especially when you have a young star like Justin Herbert, who you mentioned, will that fan base continue to grow or are they just they're just done altogether with the NFL? Like Rafi just said, there's definitely a big, you know, there's a, a large loss of, of, of fans. But I drive on the freeways every day and still see a ton of the bumper stickers and um, decals on cars. And there's still, you know, I still have some friends that talk about them and are interested in them. There's definitely still some fandom here. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think that there is a lot that has gone, but there is still there are still so many people that were here and, and had, you know, ge- you know, I know Rafi is one of them, but generations of, of family uh, that were Charger fans. And that that this wasn't an, just a move that pushed them away. So, so they are still fans. It's definitely less. Budweiser used to have those cans of, of beer that would be Chargers colors. And now they, they there's no beer or food or any sort of things like that at grocery stores that I, I don't see like that sort of representation anymore but but there's there are still pockets of fans every everywhere and uh, or every once in a while that you'll see pop up and especially with Justin Herbert being good now and and if they can kind of build a playoff team I'm sure the team will or the city will uh start to to grow and become a little bit more become more fans of of the LA team because what's one thing that's really interesting that we we've learned is is that they when they first moved to LA they tried to be the same team. They didn't rebrand. You know, Philip Rivers was still their quarterback. And they kind of learned that it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't successful. And they kind of learned how they needed to adjust. And now we've seen them starting to do, they're still the Chargers, but they're starting to rebrand in different ways. They have an incredible social media team. Um, and a lot of their players are doing things and like playing video games and doing things in the community that I think is going to help Brand, you know, help them grow and branch out outside of current LA Chargers fans. And if they get become good, I, I have no reason to believe the Chargers fans in San Diego or football fans in San Diego wouldn't be willing to go back. Would people in San Diego welcome the Chargers back in their city in any way? Is there any possibility that the team could return to San Diego or if another NFL team were to start up in San Diego? No doubt that if the Chargers came back, that the city would welcome them back. They want the team back. I just don't see it as a possibility for a couple of reasons. One, when the Spanos family moved, uh, you know, like Ben said, that they, they, they remained the Chargers. They didn't rebrand. And because of that, you know, it wasn't like, uh, for instance, when the Cleveland Browns left, they didn't leave, you know, like the, like the Browns did. The Browns franchise and the name and the records and all that stuff, that all stayed in Cleveland so that when they got an expansion team, you know, they got to take that back up. The Chargers don't have that. The Chargers are, are in L.A. now. And so uh, I think there's going to be a large reluctance uh, from the Spanos family, unless they were to sell the team, to bring the team back down to uh, San Diego. Another reason that it's not going to happen is because the Spanos family has an in- really an incredible financial deal to be in L.A. You know, part of this deal of Stan Kroenke's plan to build stadium in Inglewood you know, that was struck with the NFL as a compromise was that they gave the Chargers the option to move to, to L.A. for essentially free rent. They pay a dollar a year for 20 years. 
And the only cost that they have to contribute to the construction of the new stadium was what they can sell in personal seat licenses. And the key word there is what they can sell, Mm -hmm. which for uh, a long time was not a lot. You know, they were initially projecting $350 million in PSL sales. You know, sometime in 2019, that projection had fallen to $150 million. And then you have Stan Kroenke footing the rest of the five to six billion dollar bill. So for them, there's not really a huge incentive for them ever to leave. They have this great home that they are renting and, you know, they have access to the nation's second largest market and all of that, enta- what, what that entails. And that's really the reason that the team moved to begin with. Um, you know, the line that we have been saying constantly when we talk about the show is that, you know, producing this and making this, we're more understanding of why it happened and we're more understanding of why the Spanos family made the choice that they did. But we're probably a little bit less sympathetic um, because it was a choice and they did make it. We've seen in New York the Giants and the Jets work sharing a stadium. But Los Angeles has shown that it's a market that had not been able to sustain two teams in the past with both the Rams and the Raiders leaving L.A. Rams are now back, obviously, with Kroenke there. But the Chargers have now joined him, as you said. What's changed? Is it now a viable two-team market? I would say that the way that we think of media markets traditionally for sports, especially for the NFL and the NBA, which are these kind of behemoths um, in American sports, they're becoming more and more irrelevant. And more and more, that's you know kind of what propagated this move. The NFL's revenue sharing model is such that all of the TV rights, the streaming rights, um, a lot of the merchandising rights that the NFL sells those all are sold collectively as a whole. So all 32 teams sell them together and every, all 32 teams get an equal slice of that you know, big cake, essentially. Mm-hmm. And because of that, for a lot of teams like the Chargers, that national revenue represents the lion's share of the income that they bring in. So you know, the NFL could put a team on the moon and it would still be a wildly profitable venture. Because it doesn't really matter, you know, just by virtue of them being an NFL team, they're going to get a slice of that cake. And I think because of that, that is why, for instance, you could watch a Chargers football game from 2017 to 2019, see the team essentially have zero home support, zero LA fandom, and have this team thriving. And so, you know, when it comes to talking about like can a market support two teams, I don't really know that they have to. I think that the NFL is increasingly a game that's played on television instead of in stadiums. And, you know, we've had several people on our show talk about the fact that, you know, stadiums are becoming more like sound stages than a place to watch a football game. You know, um, then the audience, the, the, the crowd at the game is, is really kind of set dressing. And uh, I think more and more you're going to see that. And uh, I really don't think it's going to affect the Chargers bottom line all that much. You know, that's really fascinating because it's amazing to see how it's a completely new ball game right now. But I found it interesting when you were talking also about you mentioned the Oakland Raiders or when they now that Las Vegas Raiders and their decision to move and how a parallel the Chargers. Right. You know, one of the things I noticed that you also discussed in the podcast was the progression of each city. Can you elaborate on that? Right. So one of the, the things that we talked about in the podcast is how, you know, like Oakland has has progressed and it's becoming a really cool city. It's not so dependent on the A's and Warriors for to to bring people in to want to come to Oakland, but they've got a really cool bar scene now. And, um, you know, and there's different uh, areas and it's not just Oakland, but it's in the Bay area as a whole. And, mm-hmm. and so 
when you see like the Warriors move from Oakland to San Francisco, it while Oakland to San Francisco might not be as you know far distance as San Diego to LA, it's still they're definitely not the same city. Mm-hmm. But you don't see the same uh, fans in in Oakland saying I'm not I'm not going to root for the uh, Warriors. They'll just take the freeway, you know, and 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 get there in 25 minutes. So. You know, San Diego is still, I don't want to make it sound like San Diego hasn't progressed as a city because San Diego is an incredible city with that's still continuing to grow. And um, like downtown is, is continuing to progress. And there's just so much more in the, you know, similar to what I was just saying with Oakland. There's a, it's a big, you know, bar city now. It's a big brewery city now, but it still doesn't have that same kind of effect that it feels like is in the Bay Area. Yeah, I think one of the things we talk about when we're talking about Oakland and San Diego in that first episode is it is more cultural than it is necessarily uh, about like where the teams are physically playing, which is, um, you know, as Ben mentioned, obviously Oakland is going through this, uh, you know, tremendous amount of change. I know some of that's obviously controversial with gentrification and everything like that, Mm -hmm. but it's a city that is recognizing that is in flux and is also willing to kind of face the future a little bit more bright eyed. And I think in San Diego, we saw increasingly and still true to this day, even with the Chargers gone, that there's this kind of war going on in the city between the people who want San Diego to remain a sleepy little beach town and the people who want San Diego to be a big city. And in the context of our story, an NFL city, which kind of go hand in hand. And you know, the longer this, that, that this story played out, the more that war kind of uh, also played out and the more that we saw kind of the people who wanted San Diego to remain the same and to not change and to be the city that they moved to in the 70s or the 80s or whatever, you know, they kind of reared their head a little bit more. And it's kind of hard to say, seeing the result that we have now, that they're not winning this kind of fight. And a lot of, uh, you know, I think one of the larger arcs of our story is San Diego's identity for the future and what that means for potentially mid-sized, you know, to use that word markets, uh, you know, how they want to view themselves when they're living kind of in the shadow of, of larger cities. And the whole deal with Dean Spanos and and the city of San Diego trying to somehow make it work didn't work out in the end. But I know you'll probably discuss this. Obviously, this is going to be in the podcast about how much they tried to make it work. How much the Spanos family tried to make it work with San Diego, or did they not try to make it work? That's something I'm really intrigued to hear more about in the podcast. But I also think about when it comes to the taxpayers of San Diego, what it would have meant if the city had to put up its own money to help build the stadium. What would this have meant for the people who live in San Diego? Do you think the team's decision to leave worked in the benefit of the residents of the area? Well, you know, it's actually one of the things we talk a lot about in our third episode, um, which should be out now, and just kind of what makes San Diego a little bit more unique politically compared to other big, not only American cities, but specifically California cities. And th- that thing is that they, they want stuff, but they don't want to pay for stuff. And, you know, it's created this, this culture politically where essentially people can kind of storm into office by telling voters We'll give you what you want. It's not going to cost you anything. And the reason my opponents have couldn't figure it out is because, you know, they weren't willing to take on the special interests or maybe they weren't smart enough or whatever. And, um, you know, we've seen politicians for generations kind of run on that premise. We have a governor, uh, a candidate for governor in California right now, named Kevin Faulkner, who was the mayor of San Diego for six years and was the mayor of San Diego when the Chargers left. And he was kind of saying a lot of those same things. 
And, you know, it makes it a really difficult city to get things done in because, uh, shocker, if you want things, you got to pay for them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, running a, a government in that way is not sustainable. And so, you know, there are a lot of folks who, when it came down to the Chargers leaving, they saw it as a victory because they weren't having to give up, you know, taxpayer money to pay for a stadium. And I also think that you uh, have just seen attitudes, not only in San Diego, but in this country shift about giving taxpayer money to stadiums. You know, when the when Jack Murphy Stadium, uh, the stadium that was in San Diego for the longest time, was built, it was a, a multi-purpose stadium, which was in vogue in America for a long time in the 60s and 70s and 80s. You know, you think about Veterans Stadium in Philly or Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh, you know, these stadiums where you can play baseball, football, and whatever else. And those were seen as kind of like civic assets. You know, those are things that, that you know, cities take pride in, in owning and maintaining. And, you know, people were cool with, with paying for those stadiums. Well, now, Football owners want their teams to play in football stadiums and baseball owners want their teams to play in ballparks. And because of that, there's this resistance for taxpayers to be like, hey, you know, this is a private company. Why are we giving them all, you know, three, four, five, six hundred million dollars of our money to subsidize their project? So you're seeing a lot of resistance to that on a, on a lot of fronts. And I think San Diego just happened to be the city where you had you know, a uniquely political system that was uniquely unequipped to deal with this situation. You had a team owners, which frankly didn't have the money to deal with the situation. And you had a football team that happened to not be very successful. And, you know, I think if the Chargers had won a Super Bowl or two, this might all be a different story because the NFL might have been much more averse to letting the team move. But none of those things were true. Yeah, that Lombardi does make a big difference, it seems like, sometimes in the end. Now, this week on my show, Sports Time Machine, I actually highlighted some events that happened this week in sports history. One of the moments was actually how the Cardinals had moved from St. Louis to Arizona, and then the Rams came out to St. Louis, but picked up and left again for L.A. You know, St. Louis, you've seen what kind of a toll it it leaves a city um, when a team picks up and leaves a region. Now you factor in two teams for that region, but did it leave a toll on San Diego? Uh, yeah, God, there's a charger shaped hole in San Diego, you know, and I think that one of the things that I brought up in this interview and we bring up numerous times in the show is, is San Diego's identity. And I think one of the issues about why this move hurt San Diego so much is that so much of San Diego's identity as a city was couched in the chargers, you know, the way that green Bay's identity is couched in the Packers or Chicago's identity might be couched in the bears or the Pittsburgh for the, for the Steelers. And, you know, I think if San Diego didn't define itself that way, and also, you know, like I said, kind of defines itself as being not Los Angeles, that's been the case for centuries, really. And we talk about that in the show, how that started in the 1800s, that for now to, to continue to define itself as not Los Angeles and for Los Angeles to have the Chargers, it just makes this this uh, identity of being not Los Angeles, almost more of a prison than it is an actual civic identity. Without giving away too much of Bolted, what's something that surprised both of you in doing this feature? I think something that I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, I was shocked to find out how how great this Chargers social media team was and, and what differences they tried to make. I kind of mentioned earlier that they realized there was a shift that needed to be done and and kind of rebrand to be more of an L.A. football team. And uh, like I said earlier, you know, one of the things that they're doing now is having players go 
and play Call of Duty or Madden and 2K with, with fans and seeing them interact much more in the community. And they did stuff in, in San Diego. They had 5Ks and blood drives and different things, but it, it didn't feel the same. And, and it seems like they're like really intentionally trying to grab uh, specifically the younger football fans. One thing that we talk about is you're not going to get somebody who's been a Vikings fan for 20 years or somebody who's been a, you know, a Raiders fan for 20 years. You're not going to get them to become a Chargers fan just because they've now moved to L.A. So you need to find a way to, uh, to grab the youth. You need to get the people who either don't have a, a football, football team or want to root for the team because they really like Justin Herbert or they see Keenan, uh, Keenan Allen playing 2K with them. And they're like, I like that guy because I play basketball with him. And it's, it's just something I never expected to learn. You know, when Rafi first introduced, uh, brought this idea to me, I, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to learn a lot about the Chargers and the Spanos and maybe some little things I didn't know, but I just, I never expected to learn about the social media team. And, and that was really fascinating. Yeah. And I, you know, just kind of going off of what Ben mentioned, um, you know, I learned so much about the, the Spanos family making the show. And, and that's what our second episode is all about, um, is, is about the Spanos family who they are, how they came to, you know, become so wealthy and then how they came to buy the team and, and what their impact on the team has been. And I think one of the things that was so cool about doing the show that I never had the experience of having before was learning a lot about someone without actually personally knowing them. And, you know, we talked to like, you know, like we said, 48 different people for the show. So many of them personally knew the Spanoses, worked for the Spanoses, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you get a real sense of who these people are. Um, but uh, like I said, I've never spoken with Dean Spanos. We tried to get him to come on the show three different times. They said no. And uh, so I think for me, it was really surprising to learn about their family history and how stuff that is, you know, really interwoven within the family itself can affect an entire NFL franchise and an entire city. It's incredible. I'm really excited to hear all about that. And I do, I agree with you, Ben, also about the whole social media aspect and and you really have to target the younger fans now because I think that's what I've been saying with baseball, actually. Baseball needs to do that as well because you have those, you know, old school mentality uh, baseball fans. But in order to get the sport to continue on, you really have to focus on the youth to continue the sport, continue the popularity and to have more people want to watch it down the road. Now, the first two, first three episodes, when this show airs, the first three episodes of the show will be out. Where can people listen to the show? And can you give us a little more of a sneak peek? You know, we hear that you're talking to Ryan Leaf on the third episode, talk about the Spanos family, uh, kind of the history of San Diego. What else can people expect? Yeah, so um, you can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all, the, all that stuff. You can follow us at Bolted Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. Um, and... In terms of uh, a little sneak peek about the show, you know, we've touched on this a little bit. The show is just as much about the relationship between L.A. and San Diego uh, as it is about football and the Chargers and all that stuff. And the first episode really nails down on that and, um, you know, really sets up this relationship that goes back centuries. Also, you know, why San Diego fell in love with the Chargers, who, you know, came to San Diego in 1961 as LA's rejects, they played a, a year in San Diego, excuse me, a year in Los Angeles in 1960, couldn't sell tickets for the life of them and kind of came to San Diego in their hat in hand. And it started this love affair between this team and this city that went on for 56 years. Like I said, second episode's all about the Spanos family. 
and uh, you know matches with the the team that went to the Chargers only Super Bowl. You know, of course, they lost that Super Bowl to the amazing San Francisco 49ers team led by Steve Young in uh, January 1995, but really details the relationship between the Spanos family and the Chargers and how that also affected that team. Third episode, like we said, Ryan Leaf and also covers some political scandals that happened in San Diego that really kind of poisoned the well at the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s. That led to, you know, kind of the back half of the series, which is the fight, the traditional fight to keep the Chargers in San Diego that we kind of know today and how all of those things that we set up in the first three episodes, they all pay off in the last three. So excited, guys. Um, Is there anything else you want to add in about the show? I would just say, uh, you know, if you are not into football, um, this show is still for you because we've got a lot of politics, history. And, uh, you know, a lot of like really fascinating research that we've done about these two cities. And if you're not into history and, and politics and any of that stuff, but you love football, this is still a show for you as well. Um, we talk extensively about these teams, about the NFL across eras. So there's really something for everyone that you can get out of the show. Yeah, I'd add on that. that it, uh, additionally, you don't have to be a Chargers fan. Um, you know, it, of course, the Chargers are the, the you know main theme of the story, but like Gracie said, it's not a story just about football. So just, you know, even if you're a Chiefs, a Raiders, you know, a, a fan of a rival team, a Rams fan, you know, there's so much. It's, it is a really fun story or a good story. And, and to toot our own horn, it is told. I, I really do like how we tell the story. And it, you don't have to be like Rick said, you don't have to be a fan of football. You don't have to be a fan of the Chargers. Uh, you don't even have to be, you know, care about San Diego to enjoy the story. Well, I do love San Diego. San Diego is a beautiful, beautiful city. And I will say it. I said at the beginning of the show, I'm going to say it again. Incredible production value on this show. Very entertaining so far. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this DocuPod. First DocuPod for Believe Podcast Network. Really excited for what you guys have to come in store. So, Rafi, Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. And really looking forward to the rest of the show. Thanks, Anna. It was awesome. Thank you you for having us. A big thank you again to Rafi and Ben for joining me today and giving an in-depth look on the Bolted podcast. And make sure to tune into the podcast on the same great directories that you hear this show on, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. That will do it for today. Don't forget you can hear all the great shows at the Believe Podcast Network by going to Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at Anna Kagarakis. That's K-A-G-A-R-A-K-I-S. And you can follow me on Instagram at Anna Kags. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for heading down memory lane with me. I'm Anna Kagarakis, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.